Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I share the story of a special quarter horse named Dan, who worked for the park police and ended up teaching me some of the most important life lessons ever. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. On today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about a special horse named Dan that I met many years ago at the U.S. Park Police in the Washington, D.C. area. So this was back many years ago when I was still, I was kind of taking group riding lessons and riding on weekends, and I wanted to do something more significant with horses, but I wasn't sure what. The weekend group riding lessons were fun, but I got the sense that there was more that I could be doing, more that I could be learning. I just wasn't quite certain how to go about that or even what it was. And one day at the office, another woman that I worked with there mentioned that she had started volunteering at the park police. She had grown up riding and then had stopped riding in college. And after she started working in the office that I was at, she decided to get back into it. She was kind of a go-getter type of person, very confident and outgoing. And she had discovered that there was this opportunity to do volunteer work. So I went with her one day to check it out. It just seemed kind of interesting. And at that time, the park police operated a stable in the Washington, D.C. area. It was both a training barn as well as a park police station, so to speak. And they had numerous police horses there, horses that had gone through the process of training and become certified as park police mounts. And they were incredible horses. They had so much training. They were so talented and they were all incredibly intelligent and very much bonded with their, their police riders. The other thing that the park police station did was it acted as a school for police officers who wanted to become park police staff. So many times a police officer who wanted to join the park police would come to the school because he didn't know how to ride or she didn't know how to ride. And what the park police unit would do is they would provide training. They would teach them how to ride. They would teach them appropriate equitation and horsemanship. And they also would teach them how to handle unusual situations under saddle. Because once you are truly a park policeman and you're out doing your work on horseback in the cities, there is a certain element of variable. You're not quite sure what you're going to encounter. So you have to be prepared to do many things kind of in in the moment unexpectedly. The volunteer program was pretty fun. What you would do as a volunteer is you would muck out stalls and you would clean tack. And in exchange for a certain number of hours of doing that, they would let you ride some of the horses there. Typically, you wouldn't be riding one of the actual park police horses themselves. You would be riding one of their training mounts. And I wasn't quite sure what that meant. Like, what is a training horse versus the actual park police horse? But they had several of them. And as it turned out, those horses were horses that had not really passed the process to officially become a police horse, but they had enough kind of interesting quirks or elements in their personality that they were deemed to be good as lesson horses for those police officers who were coming to learn how to ride so that they in turn could become certified as a park police officer. So at that time, the park police was not permitted to buy horses. They only could accept donated horses. So they would take horses from the public They would retrain them, work with them on any behavioral issues they might have. And they often had behavioral issues, which is why they were being donated. 
And then the horses would either, they go into multiple channels. If they were really terrific, if they really loved the work and they had kind of passed all the different requirements, they would then become official Park Belize horses. If they had uh, some behavioral issues and they got worked out, or maybe they had some physical conditioning issues and, and the officers helped them with that, but they weren't quite quite the type to be a park police horse. Maybe they weren't quite tall enough, or maybe they didn't, maybe, maybe they had inherently a slightly more, you know, restless personality or some of maybe the physical attributes of the horse itself wouldn't work. They would find those horses suitable homes or retire them if it turned out that the horse maybe had a physical rehab issue that wouldn't really work for the program. And then the third category were horses that ended up staying as, as lesson mounts for police officers in training to become to eventually become certified as part of the park police unit. And so it was these lesson horses that we would ride. But they weren't like your typical idea of what a lesson horse would be. They weren't placid, completely gentle mounts. They all had sort of little bit odd personalities or a little bit different qualities that made them uniquely qualified to be lesson horses. And one of my favorite horses there was a horse named Dan, and he was a lesson horse, and he was a beautiful appendix quarter horse. He had this gorgeous color. He was technically a sorrel, but he had such a kind of almost like a copper penny look to him. He just kind of glowed, very solid build, very well muscled, round, had a beautiful neck, and he had kind of that elegant little sort of baby doll face that some quarter horses can have. Just a really handsome, handsome horse. Not crazy tall. He was probably about maybe 16 hands, but because he was so broadly built, he felt like a much bigger horse when you rode him. And he was a gorgeous mover. He, on the surface, seemed to have this sort of placid Labrador retriever personality, very benign, soft eye. And you get up on him and you would just feel like, you were going to have the best ride ever. He was so comfortable to sit on. But Dan had this really interesting quirk. And Dan's quirk was that you would be riding him. He'd be going along beautifully. Uh, they had a covered arena that we rode in most of the time. He'd be going along in the arena beautifully. Gorgeous gates, very smooth. And then truly, seemingly out of the blue, he would just buck. He wouldn't buck for very long, but because he was so athletic, it was a fairly powerful movement. And it was because it was so genuinely almost unanticipated, it could be very startling to deal with. You would be kind of going along and feeling this incredible rhythm from him. And then boom, it was like it would all kind of break in two. Again, not for very long, but it would definitely get pretty uh, Western there for a minute. And the first time that happened, I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Like, why, why is he doing that? And the police officer was like, oh, that's just Dan. Just keep riding him. And I was like, well, this seems like it could be kind of dangerous. <laughs> like he's bucking. He's like, Lynn, just keep riding him. You've got a good seat. Just keep riding him. And uh, so I kept riding him and he smoothed right out and we were going along. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, he did kind of start to buck there near the gate. Maybe he saw something there that spooked him. So I'm just going to be a little more aware when we come to the gate that this might be a problem. But no, he passed that gate several times, just absolutely didn't even flick an ear. We continued with our ride. And then about maybe 15 minutes later, he bucked again as we were crossing the middle of the arena. And I was like, okay, I know there's nothing in the middle of the arena. I mean, there's nothing there. There's nothing hidden. There's no giant rattlesnake under the sand. And here he is bucking again. My seat hasn't changed. I haven't done anything. And I was getting kind of a little, I mean, nervous about it. 
And the park police officer who was supervising was like, Lynn, just keep riding him. Trust me, just keep riding him and riding him. You know, don't get mad at him though. Just keep riding him. And uh, so I did, and the ride ended without any additional incidents. And I asked the officer about, like, what is going on again? And he's like, well, it's just Dan. That's sort of Dan's special talent was how he put it. Now, the park police officers who were assigned to that station, they were really, truly kind of old school horsemen. And by that, I mean, they really understood how a horse thought, how you helped a horse sort of operate its feet, its mind, its body. And so they had that kind of classic Zen-like way of talking that all horsemen and horsewomen do of that caliber. So that's just Dan. Didn't seem like a really great explanation to me as sort of a barely intermediate student. But I knew that there was no questioning him further. Like that was basically the answer. So I just continued over the months to volunteer and ride the different horses. And with Dan, I, I realized that with for me and him that we had a good relationship and I eventually came to discover that the bucking had nothing to do with me. It was just something that he he did. It was truly just Dan. And as I watched park police officers come through who are again in training to be park police officers and so they're learning to ride, I realized that one of the most important things that they needed to learn was how to have an independent seat. An independent seat is not dependent on you being in a rigid position and the horse moving just in a perfect way. An independent seat means you're able to adapt and move with the horse and and give the horse direction without being tense or clamping up. You have to be extremely adaptable when you have an independent seat. Just like you have to be extremely adaptable if you're going to be a mounted park police officer and you're going to be in crowd situations or all kinds of situations that you, you can't really anticipate in the moment. The other thing that a horse like Dan will teach you is emotional calm. So the officer told me, and this wasn't necessarily my nature, so it didn't come up, but the officer told me, hey, don't get mad at Dan. Because sometimes people would, when he bucked, they would get angry and they would start pulling on him or reprimand him. Well, then all bets were off. Then Dan would really buck, meaning that he would really try to get you off him. And Dan was very athletic. So that would happen. Um, or people would get very scared and tighten up and, and Dan would kind of take that as a signal of, I really, you really aren't learning this lesson of learning how to just sort of go along with me. So I'm going to keep kind of doing my random bucking thing until you, until you get that right. So he really does teach you emotional calm, a horse like this. Now they had had Dan checked out for pain numerous times. This was not a, a case of secret kissing spine under the surface. This wasn't even really in some ways behavioral in the sense that, that, that Dan was upset with the riders. It was just something that he had come to the conclusion was a kind of a fun game. And the point of the game was if the rider got flustered, or if the rider got upset or could not adapt his or her seat to Dan, that Dan felt like, okay, well then the consequence for that is that I actually will buck you off. Like you will, you will actually get to the next level of my buck. So it was kind of interesting you know, you could kind of feel his mind after you got to know him, how he was. And for him, when you rode well and you went with him and didn't mind his bucks and didn't worry too much about them, his bucks inevitably would definitely slow down and you wouldn't have as many of them. 
And the other thing you would notice if you, if you stopped fighting the buck and just sort of rolled with it, so to speak, was that it actually had a form of elegance in it, the basic buck. That's how he was able to launch it so smoothly from, let's say, a beautiful collected canter, a couple of soft flowing steps, and then boom, he's in this buck. If you didn't fight it, if you just sort of flowed with your seat and your legs and kind of surfed it, so to speak, it almost became an extension of whatever gait you had been in. And so in a weird way, Dan also taught me a little bit about the fundamentals of kind of old school classical dressage, Lipizzaner style. It's like, that's how they were able to get certain of those movements that we don't do so much today, you know, the Levades and whatnot. Um, but it was just kind of an interesting paradox, what he taught you if you didn't fight him. And if you controlled your emotions and learned to just sort of go, hey, this is unexpected, but I'm going to roll with it. And I know that if I kind of go with it and roll with it and stay calm and keep my seat and keep my head, that when we get to their side of it, we're going to just continue to have a good ride. So obviously a horse like Dan isn't just teaching park police officers how to have an independent seat and how to keep their emotions calm in the saddle. A horse like Dan will also teach you a lot about life. So Dan kind of is like life, right? No matter how much we plan or how perfect our seat is or how much we try to control everything, things often don't go the way you expect. Things happen in life. People get sick, jobs get lost, coronaviruses appear. And if you go into that with a sense of, I'm going to fight everything, I'm going to get really angry, I'm going to get really scared, I'm going to get really panic stricken, I'm going to assume the worst is going to happen. Well, you're not going to have a very good outcome. And you will miss the incredible opportunities not only for growth and knowledge, but also the incredible opportunities that can come from being in the moment in times that are unexpected and what you can discover on the other side of those things, which can be a form of, I would say in Dan's case, almost beauty and balance and understanding what it is that you do and do not control. So I hope you've enjoyed my story of Dan and what he taught me about life and now what he taught me about the coronavirus. And as always, I thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.